0: There and welcome to the Psychology Report. You know, over the years of history, one of the basic truisms and one of the basic beliefs and understandings that we have had and operated on the basis of is that the family unit is essential for a strong nation, for a strong community, for a strong church, for a strong Uh, nation and state and uh, city or whatever. It's the family unit that has always provided the basis of stability and strength and courage and determination and hope. At the same time, the family has been under considerable attack in our nation. Politically, the family has been picked apart the family unit has been picked apart. We've placed less value on the family unit recently on the political vein, on the political severe, sphere, sphere. But at the same time, the family has been picked apart by society, by social changes that have taken place, by our school systems, and even within the church. We've compromised, we've made changes and compromised the family unit we, don't, we no longer really value the unit that exists within a home and within a family structure as we have in the past. It was President Ronald Reagan who made this statement. I don't believe you can have a strong, healthy nation without a family unit at its, at its base. As the family goes, so goes the nation. You know, many years before that, Buddha said the same thing. A strong nation depends on a strong family. So throughout history, we've always recognized that we need to uphold the family. We need to do everything we can to strengthen the family, to give the family stability, and to give the family a platform of operation, voice within our culture, within our communities. But we've weakened that. We've allowed that now to be bypassed, and we've let the voice of the individual come on stronger than the voice of the family. We've let the interests and the desires of an individual override the interests and the desires of families. See, we have allowed other forces to be the spokesperson of the future and of social change than to look at the family as a basis of stability and strength and solidarity several years ago a professor you know by the name of um, Stanette uh... was Nick Stanette now he did a research study including three thousand families and he was interested in determining what is it within the family that makes a family strong? What is it that it builds the family's strength and makes a family healthy and strong? Uh, so he studied 3000 people. They were from they were black, they were white, they were from various ethnic ba- backgrounds, single parent families. They were in North America, South America, Switzerland, Australia, Germany, South Africa. They came from around the world and he tried to see what makes a strong family. Realizing that over our history, strong families have not only been valued, but appreciated, but they've been the basis of a strong nation. Egypt and Rome and Greece all have had their downfalls. But history shows that prior to the downfall of a nation has been the downfall, the splitting apart and the weakening of the family. So with that background, next to that undertook his studies is try to find out what is it that really makes that strong family and keeps that strong family so the nation will continue to be strong. That was his motivation in back of this. So, by interview, 3,000 families from all these parts of the world and all these different backgrounds, and ethnic backgrounds, and racial backgrounds, here's what he found. Six qualities of a strong family. And you should listen to these from the point of view of your own family. What is it that makes this family strong? How are you a strong family? Are you a strong family? In what areas are you a strong family? But in what areas are you weak and you need to strengthen yourself? First, number one, strong families are committed to making the family work. In other words, what he found was that there was a deliberate intention to stay strong as a family, to stay united. To stay committed to each other, to work together, to think together, to plan together, to do things together, and to just be a sense of oneness and a sense of togetherness and unity. There was a deliberate decision to be that kind of a family, an integrated family where feelings and events and experiences were shared in common, problems were solved in common problem. Advances were made you know, together, celebrated together, but also problems were attacked together and solved together. So there was this commitment to making the family work as a unit. That was number one about a strong family. Number two, the researcher found this. Happy families spend time together. Not only quality time, but quantity time. So they spent a lot of time together, But they spent good time together, positive time together. They struggled together. They played together. They planned together. They celebrated together. They cried together. They rejoiced together. They laughed together. They ate together. They socialized together. They went to events together. In other words, a strong and happy family tended to spend time together in both quality and quantity and that they did a host of various things together as a family. There was that unit, there was that feeling of unity. We do things together, we enjoy together, we share a common history, but we also share a common experience on a day-to-day basis. Number three, successful and strong families have effective communications. Very important. In other words, strong families, the husband understood the wife. The wife understood the husband. There was a feeling that they were one, that they understood each other's problems and, each, and goals and tried to work for the goal of each other. They were accepting each other. They were trying to share events with each other, but they sat and talked together. They spent time together. They spent intimate time together. They spent social times together. They played together, they laughed together, they enjoyed together, they did games together. In other words, there's that sense of community, that sense of communication that we share together. And there was nobody in the dark. There were not secrets held one against the other. Children were not allowed to have secrets. Parents were not allowed to have secrets one against the other parent. They were living together and they were sharing together, but they were communicating whatever they felt and wanted with each other. Feelings were talked about. Events were shared. Joys were celebrated. Sadness was reaped and grieved together. Okay, number four. Strong families expressed appreciation for each other. You know, (laughs) when was it that you last said to your child, you really am glad, you really are glad that that child's a member of your family. When was the last time you told your child that you really love the child? That you really appreciate the child for what the child is and how the child contributes to family life? Have you ever told your kid how much you really appreciate the fact that they just take out the rubbish? That they do their chores. That they make their bed. They clean the room. They help vacuum. They help dust. They help do the daily chores around the house. You know, it's the idea of expressing appreciation. The other day, I heard an example of a family that has eliminated the word, forgive me. They didn't want to have apologies being expressed to each other. And they gave the example that when the son came home late one night, beyond curfew time, the son said to the father, thank you for staying up for me later than you wanted to. Recognizing that he was late, but appreciated the father's staying up until the kid came home you see it's it's the idea of communicating appreciation for what we do and the opportunities that each child brings to the family life and what the opportunities that each parent brings to family life we want to let children know that we appreciate them for who they are and what they contribute and why they are appreciated and what their contribution is and has been and will be in the future. A lot of that kind of talk, if you will. Okay, number five out of the six was this. Strong and happy families are able to solve problems at a time of crisis. You see, weak families fall apart in crisis. Everybody goes to the room and they don't talk. Somebody goes gets drunk. Somebody leaves home and takes a long walk. Somebody isolates in the room. Somebody goes into games and plays on their computer. Some go on to Facebook and just talk to somebody else, but they don't talk to the family. Happy and strong families solve problems together. So when a problem develops, a crisis develops, a trauma takes place in family life, strong families come together and they talk about it and they share ideas as to how that problem can be solved. And they contribute to the solving of a problem. Each contributes something. Every child, every adult says, here's what I can do. Here's how I can contribute. Here's what I can do to help solve the problem. Here's what I can do to help us get out of this mess. Whether it's a financial problem or it's a social problem of some kind, a a criminal problem perhaps even, or whatever. How do you work together to solve that problem so it doesn't happen again? What's the role that each child, each adult in that family contributes for the future of the family? That's what strong families do. They deal with a problem, but they look forward to the future and to how that problem is going to make the family stronger, make the family better in the future, and how they can work together to uh, come out of the crisis and rebound Okay, number six, and this is the last one anyway. This is what the researchers found when they did this study of 3,000 people. Successful and strong and happy families have a strong spiritual commitment. Now, they didn't necessarily go to the established church on the street corner. They didn't necessarily belong to the Baptist church or to the Lutheran church or Presbyterian or Methodist or Catholic or whatever. They didn't necessarily do that. But they had a spirituality within the family there was a recognition of god there was a recognition of prayer there was a place for bible reading there was a place for prayer there was a time for prayer there was a time for giving thought to spiritual matters there was a guy it was the idea that each person had within them kind of a spiritual need and that need needed to be strengthened and and and, and developed perhaps by church attendance, perhaps by Bible study, or perhaps by going to special church meetings or to a special service of some type that has spiritual implications. But they brought the family into the spiritual world to allow the child to experience spirituality and adopt spirituality into their own life and become a person of faith, a person of strong faith, And as the children developed a strong faith, so did the parents. And when the children developed a strong faith and the parents developed a strong faith, the family had a strong faith. So it was very important that faith was honored and advanced and appreciated. Now, a lot of studies have kind of backed that up. There have been many, many studies. In the area of divorce, for instance, we know that there's a high percentage, about a 25% greater chance of a family to not enter into divorce if they are regular church attenders and are active in their local church. Doesn't matter which denomination necessarily, but that in their local church, they are members and they are contributing members to that church. About a 25% chance of having a uh, greater chance of having a strong marriage and one that holds together under the stresses of the day and not weaken and not fall apart and not enter into the divorce courts. Now, people who have happy marriages and strong marriages, marriages are those that were committed to making their family strong. It's an intentional act. They work hard at communicating effectively. They spend time together. They express love and appreciation to each other in lots of different kind of ways. They accept crises as normal and know how to work them through, so that crises don't get them stuck, and don't defeat them, but move forward. Move forward as a result of them, and above all, they trust in God, and they they put their emphasis in a church of some type and utilize the church as a way of developing and strengthening their faith and their sense of spirituality, and making spirituality an everyday living experience. So there you are. I hope you have a happy family. I hope you have a strong family. hope you have a family that is integrated and, is, and, and are doing these kinds of things and working along this line. But you know, you go back over those six points and you say, okay, which one do we need to work on? Yeah, you may not be able to work on three or four or five areas at one time, but you can pick one. And for the next three months, just Focus on that, develop that, utilize that idea, integrate that into your family life, build on it, make it real, make it happen on a, on a daily, daily basis. And then pick another one, pick a second one and do the same thing, commit to three months and working on that so your family becomes stronger and uh, obviously happier and much more of a contributing family to each other. Over the course of time, and maybe over three months, six months, nine months, your family can be an enormously different family than what it is today. You know, a lot of us want our families to be stronger. A lot of us want our families to function better. A lot of us want our families to be happier. A lot of us are, we want our families and our children just to have a a better life. You know, but if you don't start, it won't happen. But you start by picking an area that that you can develop. And I just gave you six, but pick one of those and stick with it for three months. Stick a second one and stick with it for three months. Stick a third one and stick with it for three months, and so on. And over the course of time, within a year, you're going to have a family that you're going to be proud of and pleased to be part of and happy for and be glad to share it with others in the community and others in your circle of friendships. Okay, this has been the Psychology Report, and nice to have you with me. Now, um, this coming Saturday, uh, the 18th of March, Uh, I invite you to tune in to centralvalleytalk.com, centralvalleytalk.com, and pick up my television program entitled Dr. Teach Me to Parent. And uh, it's a one-hour program, and it's online, so you can pick it up anywhere in the world. But on Pacific Standard Time, it's 10 o'clock in the morning on March the 18th, centralvalleytalk.com. I invite you to join me there. Would you do it? And don't forget my website, booksbyhedberg.com. Bye for now.